Chapter 11 of the Red Cross Girls with Pershing to Victory by Margaret Vandercook. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Journey to Koblenz. I want a doughboy and not an officer to be first across that bridge. This command from an American officer was issued one morning in December, just as the sun broke through the gray mist. A little later, the American Army of Occupation, which had been led to victory by General Pershing, crossed the Moselle River. Beyond lay Germany. There was no loud cheering, no blare of bands, or signs of the conquering hero when the American soldiers set foot on the land they had crossed the ocean to conquer. Only before their eyes, floating in the morning breeze, were the stars and stripes. The advanced guard continued the ascent over winding roads and passed villages onward toward the Rhine. First marched the infantry, then followed the artillery, engineers, signal battalions, and last the hospital units. And accompanying one of the final units was Sonia Clark and her Red Cross group. Never were any of them to forget their journey into the city of Koblenz, which, situated midway between Mayence and Cologne, just where the Moselle flows into the Rhine, was to form the chief city for the American Army of Occupation. As a matter of fact, Sonia and her Red Cross unit had not dreamed of being able to form a part of the army on their first approach to the Rhine, believing that the time spent by them in Luxembourg would delay them too seriously. But because the German army was slower in accomplishing its retreat than had been anticipated, the third American army did not draw near the city of Koblenz until the close of the second week of December. It was Sunday when they started their victorious march from the French country. It was Sunday when they entered the valley of the Rhine. Every acre of the valley appeared to be under cultivation. There were fields of winter weed and walled vineyards lining the roads. Beyond, the hills were covered with dense forests. Farther on were the tall summits of the ancient castles of the Rhine. Varying impressions the journey into Germany made upon this particular group of American girls. I declare it is unendurable to me to see how prosperous and peaceful the German county appears in comparison with the French, Nona Davis exclaimed, staring out the window of their Red Cross automobile as their car drove through one of the small towns not far from the larger city. Not many grown persons were in sight, but children were swarming everywhere, and blonde heads were sticking out of the windows of nearly all the little houses along the road. I don't think the children looked nearly as hungry as we had been led to expect, she added with a bitterness of tone, unlike Nona's usual attitude of mind. But then she had been nursing in Europe for four years since the very outbreak of the war and had been an eyewitness to untold suffering and privation. I don't think I would be resentful about the German children, Miss Davis, Nora Jamison argued unexpectedly, as she rarely took part in any general conversation among the Red Cross girls. Nona glanced in her direction. Sitting next to Nora was the little French girl, Louisa, who had been in her care ever since their withdrawal from France. There had been no one along the way to whom they could entrust the child. In the little French girl's expression at the moment, there was something which seemed to Nona to justify her point of view. Her face was white and her lips trembling as she too gazed out at the little German village. At the instant, she had beheld a former German soldier walking along one of the streets. On his head was a round civilian cap and he had on a pair of civilian trousers. The rest of his costume was an old German uniform and it was the sight of the uniform which had brought the terror to the child's face. 
Sonya saw the look and understood it at the same moment. In order that there might be no further argument, she said gently, Girls, I don't often preach, but perhaps I shall make the effort now. We are going into an extraordinary new experience for which I sometimes wonder if we are either mentally or spiritually prepared. During the past four years, we have felt an intense bitterness against everything German. They represented for us all the forces of evil against which we were fighting. Now we are going to live among them, and I suppose must not feel the same degree of hatred. Yet it will be difficult to change, impossible at first. I think it may be a number of years before we can learn to accept them as our friends. And yet I do not wish any of us to stir up fresh antagonism. One has always heard that the soldiers who have done the actual fighting have never the same hatred toward each other as the non-combatants, and perhaps we Red Cross workers stand somewhere in between the two. And yet Germany has only herself to thank that she has earned the distrust of the civilized world. As no one replied, after remaining silent a moment, Sonya went on. You know our soldiers have been given the order that they are to be as polite as possible and not to make trouble but also they are not to fraternize with the Germans, even if living in their homes. I think the same order holds good with us. At this instant, Bianca Zoli, who had appeared to be almost asleep, opened her eyes and yawned. But I thought fraternizing meant becoming like brothers, she remarked irritably. I don't see how there is any danger of our becoming too brotherly with the Germans, Sonia. The laugh at Bianca's speech, although annoying to her, helped to clear the atmosphere. In truth, at the time the Red Cross girls were weary and anxious to reach the end of their journey, in order that they might establish their Red Cross headquarters. Bianca was in a particularly discouraged frame of mind. She was distinctly grieved at saying goodbye to the little Luxembourg countess whom she happened to have liked more than any girl she had ever known. She also cherished a grievance against Sonia Clark, because Sonia had refused to consent to bring Charlotta away with them secretly. Moreover, Bianca was anxious to have some word of Carlo Navarra. Not a line, no news of any kind had she been able to receive since Carlo's regiment began its march toward the Rhine. And Bianca had never a very comfortable sense of Carlo's enduring friendship. It was only when she had been able to help Carlo in the past that he had seemed especially fond of her. She did not blame him particularly. He was a good deal older than she was and his gift of a wonderful voice made other people spoil him, beside adding to his own vanity. He had once thought he would always care more for Sonia Clark than anyone in the world, but Bianca had seen in the last weeks they were together in the hospital near Chateau Thierry that Carlo was becoming far more reasonable upon this subject. Sonia's marriage had, of course, made all the difference, although in his absurd fashion Carlo had protested that it could never alter his affection. With a little sigh, Bianca now made an effort to go to sleep again. She was not in the least interested in continuing to stare out the car window as the other girls were. She had been doing nothing else for days. Whether she slept or not, Bianca did not realize, but suddenly she heard Sonia murmur, Don't go to sleep again, Bianca dear. We are just about to enter Koblenz, and I want you to remember it all your life. See it as a splendid, prosperous city along the bank of the Rhine. But Bianca would not rouse herself until their automobile had entered the center of the city and gone by the Koblenzhof, one of the finest hotels in the city, and then past the mammoth statue of Wilhelm I, the grandfather of the deposed Kaiser. 
then bianca decided to display a mild interest in her surroundings koblenz is known as one of the most beautiful cities in the world and the german defeat had dimmed none of its outward glory finally the red cross automobile drove to the outskirts of the city and entered a large courtyard on a hill beyond the courtyard rose an old castle which was to be the new american red cross hospital the building itself was grim and forbidding with its square serrated towers and heavy dark stone walls bianca gave an instinctive shiver the castle looks more like a dungeon than a hospital she whispered to sonya i wish they had given us a more cheerful place for our headquarters perhaps our soldiers will not mind but i should hate to be ill in such a dismal place yes i know the outlook over the rhine is magnificent but just the same it depresses me then bianca's manner and expression changed standing in the yard before the castle were a group of their friends waiting to receive them dr clark had arrived in koblenz a number of hours before his wife and had already taken command of the new red cross hospital for american soldiers he and his wife had not seen each other in nearly a month as they had made the journey to the rhine with different portions of the army with dr clark were other members of his red cross staff and several representatives of the german red cross who were to turn over certain supplies unexpectedly a private soldier formed one of the group who must have received permission from his superior officer to share in the welcome to his friends the young man was carlo navara bianca extended her hand like a child for carlo to assist her out of the car i was never so glad to see you before she announced i don't care what the other red cross girls may say but i have found the journey to the rhine since we left luxembourg extremely tiresome End of chapter 11